This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by the Craftsbury Outdoor Center. The Outdoor Center is excited to offer a collegiate winter term training program in 2021. Designed for college ski racers affected by the pandemic, their winter term is a residential program that will provide structured training and racing opportunities within the bounds of COVID regulations. Candidates include students who are either learning remotely or taking time off from school and can therefore commit to living full-time in Craftsbury. These athletes will live and train as a collective pod for approximately two months. Craftsbury coaches will work with the athletes and their college coaches to structure and execute training programs. You can find more information at craftsbury.com. This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. This is our season preview where we discuss racing in Sweden, Norway, and the upcoming Ruka World Cups starting this Friday. There's also talk of racing during the pandemic, the high cost of COVID testing for athletes on the circuit, and as always, some spirited energy from Kershaw. We connected with Devin as he traveled from Lillehammer back to Oslo for some exams. How was uh, how was your weekend? Ah, it's uh, eventful as always with the two little kids and some anatomy exams coming down the pipe here. Okay. We're not blessed with snow like the Western U.S. and Western Canada here in in Norway. At least in the southern part of Norway here in Lillehammer, it's it's kind of grim. So uh, there's maybe like a whole, all of. 3.6 centimeters of settled snow on the ground so do they blow snow anywhere near you they have saved snow and stuff that they've put out and it's been put out for a while but i just i mean i haven't been skiing yet i, I don't i don't have the motivation to go s- smash 3k loops i just i don't know i've done that too much in my day not, <laughs> right now makes sense okay so so first off just a little correction here i received a note from nathan schultz who's the owner and founder of boulder nordic uh boulder nordic sport and a supporter of faster skier a great person i had noted last conversation we were discussing the new floral laws in the eu and they changed as of uh, july 4th 2020 so last summer and um, I had stated that even if you were in possession of like C8 fluoros, you weren't supposed to use them. That is not true. So I was wrong on that. So those Euro C6, C8 laws, it's, it's legal for people to have C8s and retailers can actually even sell them. It's just that the manufacture and sale of that new product, of new product, new C8 product is not allowed by the manufacturers. So as long as it was sold before July 4th, 2020, it is legal to have and use, and retailers can still sell it, and purchasers can still buy it and use it. So I just wanted to make that correction. Well, and it's good, it's good to make that correction, but it is such a moving target, like we've talked about so much, this whole floral ban uh, situation that, that, you know, <laughs> to, to call it a moving yeah. target is an understatement. There, this has no control over this whatsoever. And so I understand that it's complicated. It is, it's complicated. And in Europe, it's a little complicated here in the U.S. where you have uh, at least a week ago dual sanctioned events. You had FIS and U.S. ski and snowboard events. FIS sanctioned events. You could use fluoros and, and C6 fluoros. And in actually, I think you can use anything. I should correct myself. I'm really not 
I guess I should. I think it's all a free for all. I I don't even want to make another statement, but I think it is a free for all. So FIS sanctioned events because you can't enforce the use of fluoros. uh, you you can use fluoros, and for U.S. ski and snowboard events, you're not supposed to use in fluoro use fluoros this year. And there may be some cursory testing. I know U.S. ski and snowboard says there'll be testing. I think with strips, but you know we'll see how that kind of plays out. So that's been going on here in the states. It's like how do you have a dual section event where FIS overrides U.S. ski and snowboard, and U.S. ski and snowboard is doing the right thing and saying, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and try and have a fluoro ban. So anyway, a little messy here too. No, no, for sure. And it is the same in Canada from what I've heard. I mean, Canada yep. has also yep. instituted a fluoro ban for the competition there. And, and again, this was before the whole, this was back when FIS had also banned fluoros. So they were falling in lockstep with FIS, which was, which again, like there's no argument. It's a great initiative. It is, but the enforcements, the enforcement side of things yep. makes it very tricky. And then, and then once it starts to be, once you start having competitions that really matter, you know, like world championship trial competitions, that sort of thing. Um, if you're going to ban products that have such a huge effect, then you better have a test to test for it. And I mean, we can, we don't have to get all into the, the philosophical yeah. discussion right, about right. the honor system, but this is just the reality of the world we live in. So it is a moving target, but it's good to set the record straight for those of uh, those, those parents out there that are wanting to, to purchase some wax or need to purchase some wax for the clubs or for their for their kids races and they too are all confused with the race with the uh with the rules changing all the time so good on nathan to, to give us a heads up and, and set the record straight yeah and last thing on the fluoros u.s skiing snowboard fist whatever remember that you know uh, environmental agencies and the science literature dictates that you know these things are still toxic so use best practices oh, yeah. if you're choosing to use them you know, be in a well-ventilated room if you're burning fluoros, sweep up, try not to have any like powdered residue around. But anyway, I think I'm a broken record on that. So anyway. No, no, you, you know, but you know what? You might be a broken record on that, but the reality is wear a mask. And really, if you're going to be burning fluoros into the skis, a gas mask, even with the proper filters, it's not enough. You need to have a full face shield mask. I'm sorry. Because yeah. the particulate yep. matter is insanely small. And putting on a pair of like clear, clear lens sunglasses and and a, and a normal gas mask with the proper filtration is not enough to protect you when you're burning these things in at 180 degrees Celsius or, or hotter into your ski base. So, so it's just a uh, you got to be careful and and you know there's no excuse anymore really with the health with the health side of things. Of course, the environmental side of things as well. Um, while there may not be a test, the effects of fluoro are, is not in discussion anymore. So that, that we can say. Okay, so a crude segue back to, I want to segue back to North America a little bit with sunglasses and masks. Masks we all know about, COVID-19, sunglasses. We have a president-elect in the U.S. who has an affinity for old-school Ray-Ban aviators. Um, <laughs> so... Let's talk a little bit about North America. And um, can you discuss maybe anything that you maybe had learned about Frozen Thunder? Thunder. It looked as if, you know, of my writing last, uh, late last week, that 11 cases have been kind of contact traced back to Frozen Thunder. Now, whether that was... Yeah. Okay. Well, there was, there was an article published in the Canmore paper a few days ago. That number is now up to 14 positive cases, and all of which come from um, 
a group of athletes that traveled from Eastern Canada to, to Frozen Thunder for a training camp there. And there are 14 positives. Nobody is sick, actually. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of uh, asymptomatic uh, people in that group. But, uh, you know, everyone wants to play the blame game because that's a lot of people that are, that are test positive. And then when you're in a small, a small community like Canmore that just doesn't have, uh, I mean, nothing against the, the healthcare community in Canmore. It's fantastic. But it is a small town. There's only 10,000 or 12,000 full-time residents there. And when you have an outbreak of 14 people, they, most of which are all are asymptomatic, essentially, um, but, you know, before they were tested, maybe they were at a grocery store or a cafe. You never know, right? And so, so it, is a, it is a tricky situation. But at the end of the day, um, it's easy to pass blame all over the place. Like, who made mistakes, this, that, and the other. The reality is we're happy to hear that nobody is in the hospital with this. So far, the athletes that are affected, as I said, are not sick, really. I shouldn't say that, but they're not, they're absolutely in no way close. No, no, no. They're not on oxygen. They're not even suffering from strong uh, head cold symptoms. But uh, like we've talked about and like everybody that's just addicted to the news cycle, um, things change quickly and it was good that they were all able to be tested and are now in isolation. And I just hope that everybody's following the rules properly. And that means, um, you know, quarantining in place till for 14 days, or at least till you get your, your ne- a couple negative tests back. Uh, but it really sent a shockwave through the Canadian ski community and actually kind of nuked the whole, uh, <laughs> the whole season really <laughs> before Christmas, because now you, the other news out of Canada is uh, on the heels of this. Um, the world cup season for period one was canceled. Um, that is because a few, a few athletes could have been involved in, in uh, in those things ruka starting next week we'll get back to that in a second and when you have people that uh staff and and some athletes or that have been in contact with with this i mean you cannot travel uh with a bigger group across across to across the ocean to europe uh safely and in good conscience and so just like that all of period one all the racing opportunities for the athletes that have been preparing all year go up in smoke but that's that's the risk we run here in a pandemic and it's just too bad that it uh that it happened like this but at the end of the day the most important thing is the health of the staff and the athletes affected and and so far from what i've heard is everybody's doing okay yeah and one one other note on this but it's become public and i i know jessica eaton who's the partner of david norris posted something on instagram that somebody had sent me so david Norris, if folks don't know who he is, um, is an APU skier. He just crushed it for the U.S. in distance skiing last year. Was the top U.S. distance skier. Is not a U.S. ski team athlete. That's a whole other wormhole to get into. But he tested positive up in in Fairbanks. Um, So he's been recovering there, which is a total bummer just because I, I know he had a lot riding on this season. So, yeah, I don't know if you saw that news. I didn't, you know what? I didn't see that news, and that is disappointing. And 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 again, yeah, you know, it, we're trying to s- smash a square peg into a round hole, and it will go. <laughs> It'll get in there, but the problem <laughs> becomes is the collateral damage is unpredictable, and we're really on a knife's edge here. I mean, you look at Charlotte Cala, one of the best years. 
right. one of the best female right. skiers of all time. She wasn't in Brooksvillarna for the season openers with the the Swedish Sweden the Swedish season openers, uh, I should say, because she has a pod, tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, really sad to hear that David Norris uh, tested positive and won't be won't be able to be with the U.S. team for period one. But at the end of the day, we have to remember we are all in a pandemic, and the fact that there is any ski racing happening, quite frankly, blows my mind, Jason. Like serious, I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy. Me to too. See on, I'm Me happy too. To see on I am, and I know that the athletes, especially endurance athletes, take this very seriously. Your lungs are your life's work without lung capacity the sport of cross-country skiing you're dusted you're done and dusted and you're gonna have to do something else so i know the athletes are taking it seriously staff as well this is a big deal but at the end of the day you can't fully protect yourself in such an unpredictable unpredictable situation and it gives me the heebie-jeebies honestly with the world cup about to start next week yeah me too and it's worth mentioning that I listened to this podcast. I think I've mentioned to you before. Um, Hang up and listen. It's from Slate. Smart guys that do a, and women that do a sports podcast. And one person in particular constantly is ruminating on like, why are we talking about sports right now? And this is a guy whose livelihood is reporting on sports and analyzing sports. So yeah, it, it does speak to that. It's like, boy, there's there is a lot going on right now, and we are just talking about sports oh for sure but it's because people are stressed too and you know like there was some great interviews out of vitastol and, and athletes in vitastol and the region national team athletes they're stressed out about this as they should be because chances are whatever that means that if you test positive hopefully you just have some mild cold like symptoms and in a couple of weeks you're back but we have no idea what the long-term effects of COVID-19 are on 100% professional endurance sports athletes that rely on their lungs when it's a virus that attacks the lungs. So so there is reason for concern and I understand why athletes are are worried about this. And and it is, um, yeah, like I agree with the boys and girls at Slate, like it is just, uh, it, it does seem fairly ridiculous, honestly, especially with winter sport, if I'm being totally honest. But um because it's so hard to control. And this has shown that they've just, you know, they've seen what professional soccer teams have done and they've seen what NBA has done and they've chosen like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go with the cross our fingers and let the, everyone else figure it out on their own strategy. And that really freaks me out because like, I don't know, it's a lot of money and it's, it's it just seems like the, the, not just the money with the tests and stuff. And that is ridiculous, but, but um, there's a lot of moving parts to move staff and athletes all over the world as normal and quite frankly it's a powder keg of disaster waiting to happen and i hope i'm proved wrong and they get these races done without any major disasters yep me too okay so another segue so you had mentioned at the top of this a little bit about your disappointment in the swedish men which is not people that listened to this podcast last year is not a new theme from from you so no. <laughs> tell me a little bit about maybe what you observed over the weekend coming from the swedish men's side the women you know we all know the women the past couple of years have just been crushing and there's lots of young swedish women who are crushing yeah and they look great like we can start with the positives i mean the swedish women sure. Eb, Eb anderson frida carlson skiing great one two both days uh in the distance races just just great stuff from the young Swedish women. 
And Maya Dahlquist actually today in the skate race was ended up third in the distance race and not that far off Frida, which is great news for Swedish fans um, because she's a great sprinter, as we all know as well. But uh, post, post results like that in a 10K skate is also a fantastic result. I know people that know Brooks Villarna, they know the course is by no means punishing and it's quite easy. But regardless, it's still 10K and I thought it was a great race by Dahlquist today. But segueing into the uh, <laughs> into the Swedish men's situation, I have no idea how there is a Swedish men's national team with any sort of veteran on that team. And I hope to be proven wrong. I really do. But like, how is Kalle Halverson fourth in a field like that? 30 seconds behind um, a, a very talented young athlete, I have to say, who won today. Um, born in 2000. There's actually a funny story about that. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, he, well, I don't know. I, I don't know how current I am. But uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he was, and I'm pretty sure he still is, the boyfriend of Frieda Carlson. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty fast... Uh, that's a pretty fast couple. And uh, so that, that is promising. It is. But with, with Hegstrom and Ekstrom second and third, and then and uh, Calais and fourth, and then like Jens Berman, like what the hell are you doing? Like what? You're like down like eighth or like, this is insanity. I mean, I don't know if he was seventh, eighth or ninth, but he's got his ass kicked is what happened. And, and He's seventh. Yeah, yeah. seventh. Thanks. And, uh, you know, these guys are good skiers and they have been good skiers in the past. And these guys need to be top 10 in the World Cup. You cannot be getting the, the, the floor wiped with you like this after coming off the worst season, the worst season ever for Swedish men's distance skiing, full stop, ever. In the history of Swedish skiing, you never had a worse season than last year. And now we get to Brooks Villarna and you got, you got a guy who's a first year senior that wins it's uh yeah 21 second win yeah Pamela like he's a great kid I mean he's he's great he's hungry I hope he's the future I really do like hats off to him he was great to win he was good in the classic race but again in the classic race yesterday in Sweden Max Novak some like loppeteer wins <laughs> like no Kalle Halverson has world cup podiums in 15k classics and Jens Berman has top 10s you should not be getting beat by Max Novak. No offense to Max Novak. He's an okay loppet skier. He is. But he's not a Yerdalen. He's not a um, uh, Anders Auckland. He's not a Peter Eliasson. He's not, he's not this caliber. Max Novak is just an okay loppet skier. And he's winning the season opener in Classic. I know he double pulled and everything because the course is easy. But regardless, this shouldn't happen. So Swedish men... I hope to God that you can turn this ship around and soon and post some results that your country deserves out of you guys because you are good enough. You have shown that you're good enough. Calais, Jens Berman, yeah, I'm calling you out. You're better than this. You know you're better than this. And I hope you can post some good results this winter. I mean, historically, how much weight do you put on like a, a an opening weekend race? You know, obviously high caliber race. Not much. But, okay. Not, not much in, in some, but here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing. There's two things. You know what? Back in the days when you had, when you had uh, Johan Olsen, Sodegren, Daniel Rickardson up at his, at his best, you had uh, so many great Swedish names in distance. 
I don't put much weight into it. Because if you're seventh in that race, but Johan Olsen wins or Sodegren wins, it's like, you know what? The next weekend you could, and Helmer is there too, God, like who's a legend. So, you know, in the not so distant past, you could be seventh or 12th and, and the guys ahead of you are all like solid, good names. So it's like, okay, you know, yeah, you're blowing the rust out and, and the next weekend on the World Cup, the results change. I mean, here's a, here's a hilarious story. I've won Brooks Villarna 15K skate. And the next weekend, I went into Bidestol, which was a World Cup, 15K skate. Six days later, I'm like, okay, this should go well. What ended up happening? I was like 36 or something. And Johan Olsen and Helner were both in the top 10. And I beat them in, in Brooksville. So you can't put that much weight into it. But here's the thing. When you're getting beat by Max Novak in a 15K classic, Max Novak is not Anders Sodergren. You know? And, and like William Pomela, great guy, huge talent young exciting gives the swedish fans a lot of fun things to 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 cheer on he didn't win world juniors last year you know he's not a guy he wasn't on the podium at world juniors last he he's not a guy that's going to go to ruka and start mixing it up with bolshunov and holland and like the big boys of cross-country skiing it's not going to happen so so these 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 big names from sweden with kelly halverson and jens berman specifically because they have the they're the two names in that field that have really shown that they belong in the top and have been in the top this should be hugely scary because they're not getting beat by top level athletes they're getting beat by up-and-comers that have a good future ahead of them and i hope to god they continue and i do believe in i like really he has a good head on his shoulders and he's a great skier so i, I think the future is bright there but but he's not arrived yet if you know what i mean so I think it's scary. I think it's scary. So I, I take that, and I hope I hope to God that Cali can get his head out of his ass and race into the top ten in, in Ruka this week. I do. <laughs> I Cali, do. that's on the record. That's fine. We need to maybe get him on the podcast. Yeah, his English isn't good, but it would be okay. sweet, though. No, because I, res- I have respect. Like, you can't say Cali's not a good skier. Cali's a great skier. Yeah, and, yeah. And he, he has posted great results, but it's been a rough go lately. And this is not the start you want. It's not. Okay. So, Speaking of the start you may want, uh, again, it depends. It sounds like you had a really killer race in a preseason World Cup years ago and then, you know, yeah, struggled a little bit. A little, it happens, right? You know that. Uh, now you're changing oh, yeah. diapers. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. um, Klebo had a very nice weekend, it looks like. He won the sprint by about t- uh, two seconds. And he came in. I'm looking through my notes here. He came in block. Second in the 15. Yeah, right. Second in the 15K Classic. Um, yeah. Yeah, so a good weekend for him. A good showing. And I did, it looks like he did not contest oh, the skate race. No. No, he didn't. And it was, a, it was a solid weekend for him. I thought it was really exciting in the sprint. Uh, Eric Balness, huge fan. Yep. From Bardufoss, way up north. Huge fan of Balness. What a beauty. Uh, he put together just a fantastic sprint. And I, I thought he could challenge Claybo. I really did a little bit. I, I mean, I didn't think he could beat Claybo necessarily, but I thought he could challenge him. And he looked so good in his quarterfinal and his semifinal. And in the final, I mean, Claybo is, you know, he's a clinician. He's a surgeon. And, and he won easily. But but uh, in the in the classic race, I mean, I, I shouldn't be, like, be such a hometown hero cheering here uh for the hometown kid or the guy i know best but mikael gunnifson 
is an athlete that I know really well. I've trained with him when I was an active athlete a lot. I've worked with him through Team Telemark. He has one World Cup start to his name. It was a couple of years ago in the 50K at home in Colin. He finished eighth. This is how hard it is in Norway. This kid's 27, mm-hmm. busts his ass. He's motivated. He wants it. He's committed. Great guy. And shows up. Especially in a year where there's a pandemic, you have no idea what the World Cup situation is going to be. You don't know what opportunities you're going to get. And in a day that was just vicious with weather, high winds, snowing, around zero, nasty. He doesn't just win. He wins by almost 30 seconds, beating Klebo into second and also Holland into third. So these are huge names that he beat and and wins it outright. It was... uh, I didn't have tears in my eyes, but uh, I'm too tired for that. But I'm just kidding. But I, it was really moving and hats off to him. What a fantastic race and what a great time to have your your real breakthrough performance. So, Mikael, I, I hope he gets you some opportunities later on in the season. I can't wait to see him um, race the World Cup. But, but for those, if he does get chances to race in the World Cup and, and people see this name, Mikael Gunnarsson, and go like, I've never heard of this guy. Where's this guy coming from? How is this possible? He does have one World Cup start, and he was eighth in it. So he is good, but this was a huge breakthrough for him, which was fantastic to see. So it was a hell of a day for Miguel. Um, and Holland won the, it looks like, the skate race, which was today, I think. Gosh, yeah. you know, with time zones. Uh, Holland won that, and just Musgrave in 10th. I'm just curious. Like, it's nice. It's a good, it's yeah. a good upswing. Andrew Musgrave shot the bed last year and he'll say it himself to you too he's yeah he is pretty hard on himself yep yeah yep. yeah but no but he, he you know he, he took some risks he tried some things good on him i like it i like that you try i mean if you're not trying you're dying and he tried didn't work and he went back to the drawing board had a really rough outing in the classic race yesterday but in rough conditions musgrave isn't the best classic skier you've ever seen um and today skied into 10th solid performance by Musgrave, really solid. And I hope he can take some confidence because Musgrave is a real talent and, you know, he is hard on himself. And I know it's kind of like the British way to be a little self-deprecating and that sort of thing, but but Musgrave works his ass off and is a serious talent in in the sport. And, and he's shown that when you're coming top five at world championship events, you are, you've arrived. You're really that good. And while 10th might not sound like, just like, wow, like uh, almost like, why are we even talking about it on a podcast? Well, you know what? After the season that he had last year, I think it's a real upswing, and I, I look forward to cheering him on later on in the season. So Ruka might be a little tough for him just because you have a classic sprint and then a 15K classic uh, before the skate pursuit. But regardless, I hope he takes confidence out of a solid race like that. Yeah, the reason I bring it up is that I know he he had posted something on Twitter about, you know, just he, he had his fingers crossed for a good race. So he's obviously thinking about it. Um, it's it's not quite, you know, Norwegian national championships, but it's a but it's obviously a loaded field. Uh, I didn't notice well, a totally sun, I did not notice a sunbee, by the way, in there. Um, okay, well, sunbee, we can get to sunbee because okay. we can just get right into it. Sunbee, okay. <laughs> uh, sunbee had a horrendous day yesterday. Ended up fortieth, and then today he dropped out. So things aren't going well for sunbee the father of three he just had his third kid uh earlier this year and he said everything i've heard and every is that his testing has been great his physical numbers have been awesome people that have done workouts with him said he's really strong and last year he struggled a lot with back trouble 
the back injury, with the back injury, couldn't quite put his finger on and couldn't quite get it under control. And it was really weird because it would really rear its ugly heads in periods and then kind of like go away uh, in other periods. And, you know, he just, it was back. I mean, the last time he dropped out of a race like that was by the stolen last year, which was a fiasco. And then this year, the same thing happened. So um, it's a little worrisome if you're a Sunday fan, for sure. But at the same time, if there's anyone that has the will to to fight on and, and, and figure it out, I mean, it's, it's the reigning world champion in the 15k. So, so, but it was a, it was a nightmare weekend for, for Sunday. And another, another guy I want to give a bit of a shout out to is, uh, Nicholas Deerhug, who is coming back from some bad injuries as well. Last year was, was uh, just building back up. He got kicked off the national team. Cause the, like you said, it's just so competitive, uh, in Norway. And he had a raunchy classic race as well. He was 41st. And this is a guy that was third in the 15K Classic in Lati, the World Championships there. So he's a great classic skier. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, no, uh, I really like Nicholas. He's a great guy. And I'm like, oh, man, this is a tough, this is a tough go. But uh, today, better, better result as well. I think he ended up 11th. So it's a um, step, step in the right direction. And I hope he can build off that as well. But uh and then Abmanson, we got to say, world under 23 champion from last year, Harald Abmanson, uh, second today. Yeah, he got the doors blown off him by Holland. He did. He was, what, 21 seconds back. But uh, but the kid's young and a huge talent, world junior champion, under 23 world champion. Uh, he also had a raunchy classic race uh, yesterday and was able to fight back hard today and uh, and come second, beating Shirotha, which is uh, a good accomplishment. So... Um, there's some young guns here in Norway too. I mean, Mikael Gunnarsson's not that young; he's 27. But uh, Harald Almansson is a name that um, people that are interested in international skiing will be following along in the future. There's no question. Okay. Also, you know, to touch on the women's side, uh, Teresa Johag yeah. killed it <laughs> in the 10K Classic oh, yeah. and the 10K Ski. Sure did. <laughs> um, Probably no surprise. I'm not surprised at all, but she is good and she's shown that she's trained well. But you know what is surprising and a good story is uh, Foster Soam on the podium both days. Mm-hmm. She's a junior, ladies and gentlemen. She is a junior. I was working with the Canadian national team uh, last year at World Juniors and under-23s and watching Foster Soam win with authority at World Juniors was just like, I mean, I don't know. Petter Nortuk's been quoted back in the days saying like after winning easily saying like it's a kid's race this is a kid's race and you know what he said that but <laughs> i don't think i've seen many ski races like Foss's home at world juniors last year that was a kid's race for her and for a junior to be on the podium both days and by the stolen she's the future of the norwegian ski program there's no question about that i mean if she can keep this up uh so it'll be fun to see her versus frida carlson next weekend let's put it that way um, hey, just one thing to kind of take a slight step back for, for listeners. I know there's going to be a lot of people starting the sport of Nordic skiing this year. And if they happen upon this podcast, um, can you just sort of give a, a little bit of an idea to people who are maybe regular listeners or new to the sport? Why are we even focusing on like Beta Stolen? It's not a World Cup race, but it is in Norway. What's so important about this Beta Stolen race? Yeah, you know what? Like, uh, the reality is we just got to fill the airways, folks. <laughs> There's not a whole lot. Hap- There's not a whole lot happening. So, so that's one thing. But two, Beta Stolen and Brooks Valarna, these are the most, I don't know, 
there's a big tradition in in Norway, Sweden, and Finland for having season openers the weekend before the World Cup. And why is that important? Because in countries like Norway and previously Sweden, not anymore in Sweden, like we touched upon, but your chance to get into the World Cup squad was to show up and play big in that preseason races. If you're a Norwegian athlete and you're not on the national team, guess what? You got two chances to break into the World Cup squad. One is by the stolen. And if you break in after by the stolen, you get World Cup starts and you start rolling, you're in. You're in for the season. I mean, Paul Goldberg did that a couple years ago. Claybo, uh, if people forget, but like Claybo's first time to Kusumo, he was an alternate and someone got sick and he got the start and he never left the World Cup since. And I know he was a world junior champion. Everyone expected big things from him. But the reality of it is, it matters. So Mikel, he won He won yesterday. Whether or not he gets a World Cup start, that's to be determined. That'll come out tomorrow. Um, but uh, regardless, if you want a chance, <clears throat> you have Bidestolen and Norwegian National Championships, which happen in January. And that's it, pretty much. For international World Cups, of course, you have national groups as well, which is big. But but to really slot yourself into the World Cup squad for Norway, that is pretty rough when you're outside of the national team. You have two race weekends to get chances. That, that, that's cutthroat. So that's why it's reported on. And back in the days with Sweden, it was the same. It still is the same. Who am I kidding? It's just they don't have any depth anymore. But but it was the same in Sweden with Brooks Blarn. If you weren't on the if you were not on the national ski team. For Sweden, you had to show up in Brooksfelon and you had to deliver. Else, guess what? Next chance is after the Swedish national championships in January, and then maybe you can slot yourself in again. So these races matter for the for the local populations, Norwegians and Swedes and Finns, um, but and Russians too, because Russians go to Munio with like with a squad of like fifty uh, or more. So. So that's what we talk about all the time. But it is, yes, it is a bit like preseason football or preseason hockey. I mean, like, it's it's great to win. It's a it's a big accomplishment. But things things uh, things change super fast in period one. And I, we've talked about that before, or maybe we haven't. But but I really feel like period one is like the is the hardest period to really get results in because you have all these guys from these big powerhouse countries that need to perform or they're on the bench, and that bench means better luck next year, you know? So, so you know, because we're talking about World Cup starts, but but in Norway and, and Sweden and Russia, these early season, these period one races, whether it's by the Stolen or Brooks Lona, like these fist races that are preseason races, like you, you alluded to, or if it's the World Cup itself, this is, the, this is how you start your canvas, your painting, your, your, for the World Championships. If you want to get to the world championships and you're from a powerhouse country, you gotta you gotta hit the ground running. You can't you can't open your account with a bunch of garbage results because you'll never get another chance and you're done. You have to wait till next year, you know. So so it's uh, it's a high stress situation for for a lot of athletes at this time of year. Okay, so one another name missing from the or, or at least not necessarily another name on the women's side, but a name missing from the women's side is Ingvild Osberg, who is. Sounds like still having some health issues. Uh, last season, what, as I understand it, and we talked about this a few times, some bone density issues. Um, I think she broke her heel, maybe jumping off a, you know, one step on a flight of stairs or something like that. But 
um, had a rough go of it, and that seems to be continuing. What what sort of do you have any insight on what's happening? You know, what is her status? It's an incredibly sad situation. It is, and and uh, what you alluded to is true. And there's been a lot of reporting around it. Um, uh, last year, she was really struggling, like you said, with uh, the Norwegian. We, just to recap, for some, we have some new listeners, which would be uh, I'd be surprised, but you never know. It's people get stoked before the season. People get stoked. They like, you know, they got to fill the time. We're all like, at, <laughs> we're all at home. Yeah, exactly. Dude, did, I, did yeah. you see the yeah, email? Like, we got on, an email. They're so like, here's the preseason deal. Here yeah, but is. like, where's the preseason um, deal? But just to okay. recap with folks, like you said, yeah, <laughs> you felt sadly, um, yeah, she, she really, she's been struggling with bone density and the Norwegian ski team has very strict and very close follow-up with their athletes and protocols in place. And it is fairly rigid. So if you fall outside of their guidelines, um, the reality is you're, they will not bring you to start races or, or, or training camps actually. And you have to take this seriously and work with the, work with the, the experts to get yourself back into a healthier, um, healthier state. And I know, I know it might get some blowbacks. Like, what do you call that healthier? But you know what? If you're getting repeated stress fractures, uh, something is off. And, and that has to be addressed first because racing isn't really that important, honestly. And even for some of the best in the world. I mean, Ingveld Flukstad Osberg, no one would really argue that she's one of the two, three best skiers in the world on the women's side, especially in distance racing. In distance racing, I should say. Um, and she's been she's been on the struggle bus here with this, and sadly, uh, those struggles continued all through the summer and into the fall. And the health team in Norway decided to just like, okay, you know what? Now it's not. There's not going to be hope. We're not going to try and get back like last year. You know, she came back, she won World Cups, like she was good, and then got injured just before, like you alluded to, just before home and Cole and couldn't race, and then COVID nineteen hit. And uh, the stories on her dropped off the face of the earth. But but um, the reality is the health team is obviously not happy with where things are. And the health of the athlete comes first, no matter how good you are. And I wish Ingvald the best of luck coming back. I, I don't doubt she'll come back and come back strong. She's a wonderful person and a wonderful athlete. And uh, this has been an incredibly challenging time for her. Uh, and it's really sad to see one of the best skiers in the world not only miss some races like last year, but this year we're, we're not going to see her on the start line for the entire season. And I hope that that break from that, that stress of trying to come back and trying to just sneak under that, uh, like just get healthy enough uh, to, to race. Uh, I hope this gives her a chance to, to work closely with yeah, some of the world leading experts in endurance sports for women and, and get her back where she, where she belongs. Okay. So the world cup does start next weekend in Ruka, Finland, like on the edge of the Nordic or of the Nordic sorry, on the edge of the Arctic circle. And I think I saw today, like maybe the sun was setting like around 2 PM or something two thirty. Yeah. If you're lucky. Well, I was thinking the yeah. upside of that. Cause I was out last night. It wasn't last night. It was like coming early evening and I kind of looked at my watch. I was on a ski tour. I was like, ooh, that's right. I better start heading out of here because the sun sets early. And the light was just amazing. So the upside of maybe living or training or racing up that far north is within a small little compartmentalized uh, time frame, you get like beautiful sunrise light and really nice sunset yeah, it's light. very soft light yeah it's beautiful soft light when it's not just like low-hanging clouds <laughs> and i've been i've spent more time than i care to admit in kusmo or in ruka 
And I haven't seen that that often, but when you do get those nicer days, it is, it is beautiful light. And it is going to be fantastic to see the World Cup start, even though, like I said, I'm on the edge of my seat and not with excitement. I'm on the edge of my seat because I feel like I'm waiting for a train to smash into a brick wall and I don't like it. But uh, yeah. there will be World Cups yep. and we should touch on that. The American women, one more time, let's do it. Led by Matt Whitcomb and then uh, the crew, Grover and everybody. Uh, it's going to be awesome to see the women back in action. Sophie Caldwell that classic spring course great for her uh jesse diggins back in action so all the american fans let's get stoked simi has been good reports out of simi's simi's uh shape throughout this throughout the summer it'd be fun to see him back in action so there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff we won't see any canadians like i said because a covid outbreak has decimated their period one plans i'm laughing because i'm crying you know it's just so sad um and and then, yeah, you know what? In the men's field, sadly, you know what, Jason? It's going to be Russia versus Norway again. Sure. Yep. And it's boring. And it is boring, but that's just how it is. I mean, Bolshinov is an absolute animal. He's going to be hard to beat. Um, it'll be fun to see if Ustigov can get himself back uh, more consistent. That'll be that'll be kind of fun to see. The Norwegians are good. Uh, the same usual suspects are good. So, Claybo is going to win the sprint. And... Um, the 15k classic will be fun because I love 15k classic Gusmo. Um, so I, I love watching that one. Uh, but really, if you think there's going to be more names other than Norwegians and, and, and Russians clouding the top 10 and you haven't been following men's skiing for a while. Well, here, here's just a question because how, how old were you when you started your first non uh, North American World Cup? Meaning, like, you know, well, not a nations first, group. But yeah. Yeah, I know my first time to the World Cup, that was, my, well, I qualified for the world championships in 2003. I was a first year senior, but I didn't race any world cups. I didn't race any world cups that season. I just raced. Yeah. But I just raced the world championships. That counts. Uh, um, So that, that was my first international races. And then the following year in the spring, I raced some world cups. Uh, So it's second year senior. And then as a third year senior, that's when I was more, I raced a lot more on the world cup. So, and then from there, I was pretty much full-time on the World Cup since then. So, Okay, the reason I bring it up is, and I think I'm right on this. I'm sure I'll get a note if I'm wrong. And Gus Schumacher, feel free to send me a note if I'm wrong. But Gus Schumacher, I believe, is getting his first non-North American World Cup starts. He did start, I believe, some World Cups in Quebec. Um, Not last year, but the year prior. I'm like kind of making a face yeah. in front of my computer. I believe so. Um, so what would you say to a guy like that? He obviously is a junior world champion. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, has a ton of, yeah, he's a beast. He has a ton of potential. Um, what would you say to a guy like that if you had his ear and you were coaching him about like how to approach, uh, one, his first you know European World Cup, it's Ruka, and also in a funky year. Yeah, the funky year part, I don't have a whole lot of experience, just like the rest of society. So that I can't help you with. But, yeah, okay. uh, but you know what? The, the best advice is it's a new list. It's a new game. So you did climb to the top of your list. And you had a couple years to do it. And you, man- you managed it. You did, you did it. You're world junior champion. And that's fantastic. But now it's a new list. It's almost like an Etch-a-Sketch, right? You just shake that thing and it's all blank. And... Now it's an opportunity to learn because if you want to make this your game, you have to 
you have to be able to handle the time away from your friends and family, eating weird food, packing up, unpacking, the, the hustle to try and get your clothes washed. That's always a big thing. Like, God, that's so annoying. Like just getting your clothes, like, like the ins and outs of finding a place to, to wash your clothes. Um, that sort of thing is tough to manage. And, but it's exciting because now you have, and, and he's so lucky on his team. He has Jesse Diggins and Sophie, but I, I use Jesse as a, as a great example because she's really like a road warrior. You know what I mean? She doesn't skip that many weekends and she's found a way to thrive on the road. I found a way to thrive on the road, honestly, for a lot of my career. Uh, Alex as well. But you need you need that as North American if you want to succeed in the World Cup. You you need to find a way. You need to find those simple pleasures and have fun. Have fun with it. From the actual racing side of things, it's awesome. Your first year senior, yeah, you're a world junior champion. But look at the start list, man. There's a lot of world junior champions on that start list. A ton of them, actually. Because every year, you have a couple. And they get the chance of the World Cup at some point. So really, there's no pressure on them whatsoever. The, the next, this whole year is a learning experience. All of next year is a learning experience. Uh, you know, you have a couple years here to really learn the ins and outs of what life's like as a North American playing a European game. And those that make it figure that out, and they figure out a way to have fun and and be chill be zen with it be one with it like this is just how it is so you got to make the best of it and those that fight it and really really fight it hard they never you never see them in the top three in the overall world cup standings you just don't because it's, it's too hard so that's my advice have a good time no pressure dude if you come if you come in the top 15 which you could on a good day gus is a great skier uh that's 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 fantastic it is but likewise if you come 65th who cares it's a new list it's a new list. Just think of your first ever World Juniors or your first ever ever international competition in the junior class, um, or some of your first ever. Gus is a pretty—I know he's an outlier; he's a total beast. But but the reality is, he he hasn't won every single junior race he's ever done, right? And you're probably not going to win every single senior race you ever did right out of the gun, unless you're Claybo in sprints, because uh, even Claybo gets the floor wiped with him every once in a while in the distance race. So. Um, the main thing is have a good time and, and use the resources around you. He's got great coaching staff and great mentors and, and athletes that have that have been through the ringer. So uh, it'll be really fun to, to cheer him on and cheer everybody on. But I've just, yeah, like I said, I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry, dude. You got to start your World Cup career in a pandemic. <laughs> That's, oh, God, like that is such a bummer. But I guess you got to just look at the positives. The country in Nor the country in Europe with the lowest COVID numbers is Finland. So you couldn't start at a better place. <laughs> um, okay, to wrap it up, it, it starts in Finland, and the uh, the World Cups in Lillehamn. I know that they had rearranged the schedule initially to have it be a three day or three race weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, kind of the same format or similar format as Ruka. That that's been canceled. So yeah, a little less racing in december as usual before the tortoiseski so right okay yeah and then and even that so you go to davos and, and dresden apparently um mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, you know for the sports fans at home it's really like yeah i don't know ruka is just a real test for all these teams if there's any positives with these national teams in ruka they're done dude they're pulled so i mean this is they're they're not screwing around here like well, they are because FIS has horribly organized this. But um, in the sense that 
if you have positives in your team, they get pulled. And if you start losing too many teams, it's not really a World Cup anymore now, is it? And that means race weekends could be canceled. Yeah, so that's a good question. Let's all cross our yeah. finish. Let's all let's all cross our fingers. And Northern Finland seems like as good a place as any to start the World Cup season. I'm pumped to watch it on TV. I love cross country skiing. It's been fun to cheer on my friends um, in Vitastol and in, in Brooks Valarna and that sort of thing. So. I look forward to seeing them do battle against the the world next weekend. Do you remember the metric? Is it five of the top seven ranked teams in the World Cup that makes it quote a World Cup this year? You know, with the pandemic, what what the met- the benchmark was? That's what they said. But again, again, like let, let's take Levy. Uh, for, uh, now we're really jumping around. Sorry, listeners, but hopefully you're just at home in your sweatpants. Uh, <laughs> Like supposed to be working, but you're listening to this instead because I don't know why. But you like skiing, and it's snowing outside because you live in the west part of Canada or, or the U.S. Um, in Levy, which is had the World Alpine Cup for women slalom yesterday, one Swedish, one person in the Swedish contingent tested positive for COVID. The Swedish women in the technical events in Alpine uh, slalom or giant slalom are amazingly good. They're crazy good. They're all over the top 30 all the time. Uh, you have seven or eight athletes that, that score points consistently. One person in their contingent test is positive. Not a single Swedish athlete starts. Now, yeah, the World Cup in Levy is deep. Schifrin was second, which is an American slalom skier for those that don't follow Alpine skiing. But right. so if it was, you haven't been on, maybe they're yeah. you're on Mars. You never know. Well, we're in a pandemic, so anything's possible <laughs> at this point. But but the, the, the regardless, it is. When you lose the entire country of Sweden in the women's technical events in alpine skiing, that is a huge blow. And it's almost like, okay, it goes from a World Cup to like, yeah, it's still a World Cup. It is. But maybe like World Cup light, kind of. But now, now say Austria and Sweden get caught with the Rona. Now what is it? Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so it's a little bit like that in cross-country skiing. Like, say a, a rough and Norwegians test positive for coronavirus, what kind of men's World Cup is it if you lose Russia and Norway? What is that? I don't even know what that is. It's an OPA Cup is what it is. It's, it's like a yeah, European Cup. Yeah, i visualize. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's like you, you lose like 14 of the top 15 spots, so that's not a World Cup. So, But you're right, that is what the rule is written down. But uh, like I said, this... Yeah, good job. Well, good let's job. keep our fingers crossed. I know, I know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, mean, I keep my yeah. fingers crossed. And I know, Cause, you're, yeah. Because I'm laughing, but it's not funny because these are athletes and these are their futures. So if people get severely ill with COVID-19 and their lungs get torched with this, and that's what I think is not discussed enough. And that's what kind of, you know what? Yes, it does kind of piss me off. That's why I'm getting a little agitated because like I make jokes about this all the time, but like this an athlete's life is uh, like an athlete's career on the top level is short already. And now we're in a pandemic. And can you really look yourself in the mirror and go like, we have set up the world cup to protect the athletes as best as we can. There's no effing way they can say that. And that's what pisses me off. Let let me ask, let's get some clarification here. My understanding is that there is supposed to be somewhat rigorous testing PCR testing, I believe, for uh, for athletes and for staff and anyone who's sort of a regular on the World Cup um, and probably volunteers as well. But that is the the, the testing is something like a hundred dollars per test. Um, hundred euros. Hundred euros. Oh, okay, so, so it's even more expensive. 
Um, and that bill is footed by the national team. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And that's why I'm agitated because that is ridiculous. Right. That's and that's a, that's a very, you know, for a Norway, maybe that, that can be absorbed, but I know Norway. No, for any team. No, yeah. no, for any team. Norway's team's huge. So yes, they have funding, they have sponsors. Yeah, but it's still an immense cost that this has essentially clapped their hands and been like, you figure it out. It's a, it, it, it is it's, a tough, it's, it's, it's a tough ask. You're like, you think of the U.S. team. Bring your people over here. We want you here in a pandemic. But at the yeah. same time, you know, it's a cash strapped situation as it is. And maybe they, hopefully they don't take offense at cash strapped, but they're certainly not as, yeah, they're not as well endowed when it comes to finances as like, true? you know, the top Russians, Norway, yada, yada. But that said, it's a huge burden. It's a huge burden. And the fact of the matter is, can FIS look themselves in the mirrors and say like, yes, we realize we're, we have a ridiculous system where we just pass all the costs on to uh, struggling countries. Uh, so there's one. We can leave that aside. But, but now you go like, are we setting this up for success? Are we, are we setting up the calendar for success here? No, we're not. We're absolutely not. Because... Your, your plan was, we're just going to follow the World Cup calendar as we said it whenever we were sipping like martinis at the FIS conference when we decided this. So we're, we're just, we're, we're not making no changes. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. Like, look yeah, what that's Bathlon a whole other did. deal. No, yeah. but, but, yeah. no, but look what Bathlon did. They really, no, you know, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think less travel, more time in single venue, same rigorous testing. And FIS decided to do, we're just going to cross our fingers. We're going to go the Donald Trump move. And just go for it, and and okay, you know. Stay, said the Canadian living in Norway. I'm uh, allowed. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of the arm. That's the beauty of the armchair critic, Jason. I can just talk shit all day. No, but no, well, but I really, but but with the money, with the money situation, uh, it's laughable. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's it absolutely, is it's absolutely yeah. laughable. Because here's the other thing that's not being discussed. Say three athletes from from. Uh, the U.S. test positive. Heaven forbid. Guess what? Congratulations. The entire team gets a 14-day quarantine holiday where they're also flipping the bill for like staying in an all-inclusive in your hotel, hotel room, room in, yeah. in Ruka for 14 days. Every single person who's paying that bill. Is Fisk going to pay that bill? No way they are. Sorry for the F-bomb, but it's true. That's okay, because I have this, there's this little box I can check when I upload the podcast. It says, Perfect. are there any body words? Yeah, right? so yeah I can you, can check just, that. you can just, you can just like block out the F-bomb, but like. I can do but, that too. But, but, but honestly, like, so, so this is why I get, this is why I'm so heated about this. It's just like, it's like, really guys? Yeah, that's a, it is. Like, is Canada, because Canada, because Canada in the U.S. especially, we're so far from home. And now you're putting the teams in a situation where it's like one person test positive and everybody is in a 14 day quarantine. Is that so? Did you, how did, so is that actually? Like that's not, that, 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 no, that is not 100% accurate because each country has their own. You have to follow the countries, um, wherever country you're in, you have to follow their, uh, their government recommendations. But if you were in Norway, that's what it would be. So Finland. It is a little different, and it is. It is. I know. I'm gonna get criticized for that, and it is. They they do have a different. They do have a different rules. I don't know how many days it is supposed to do it. Um, but but the but the regardless is, 
it's a lot of moving parts. It costs a lot of money. We talked a bit about the NBA before putting, like, I know that we can't really compare the NBA and this cross-country scheme, but, but the regardless is, like, the NBA really did a good job protecting the athletes and flipping the bill for some of these big things to make this happen. Whereas I feel like this has said, congratulations, you get to do races. Well, what are you going to do for it, Fisk? Uh, jack shit. We're going to do nothing, actually. And we're just going to come up with all these rules, but then we're not going to pay and we're not going to help these teams out at all. So have fun. Good luck. So I think that's I think that's a miss. Yeah, I think it's a miss. It's a tough. I do. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I, I was a little surprised when I saw that and read about the, uh, you know, who is going to incur the cost. And yeah. It's rough. It's yeah, rough, because, because where, sure. where are these athletes going to go? Where are they supposed to go? This owns the circuit. Like, what, you're going to create your own World Cup? Yeah. And, like, and do cost sharing? Yeah. Like, no, you're not. So you're over a barrel. And and now this in a pandemic, decides. I don't, and you know what? They can be, they can be pissed at me. That, that's, I really don't care because you just got to look at the situation and the cost structure and the health of the athletes. I am, they are, they do have good protocols to protect the health of the athletes as best they can with the rigorous testing within the venue, limiting the venue, no spectators, um, all these sorts of limits. That is good. But then you're still planning to move venues every week. How do you defend that? You know what I mean? I don't get it. Yep. It'll be interesting. Well, they do have a little bit. I mean, for what it's worth, they have a little bit of a buffer after Ruka. There's no little Hummer. So hopefully they'll figure yeah, that out. Not by choice, though, but not by choice. That is true. But that, that wasn't by choice. Fist, Fist didn't decide that. Fist didn't make the right move, right call to decide that. That was the Norwegian government that said, like, hell's no, the entire world's going to come to our country right now during a pandemic. That's not happening. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, for sure. I. <laughs> I know. So yeah, this did nothing to make that happen, to make that canceled. So anyway, anyway. Okay. Well, yeah, I know. I've, no, that's good. I mean, I just wanted to bring up the whole like who was incurring the cost because um, yeah, I know the teams it, it's are. been yeah, it's a tough tough go for some of the smaller teams. So, but all, all right. teams are small. Like that's my that's my last point I want to make. All teams are small except Norway. Russia has financial problems. Sweden, every team is small except Norway. And Norway has the biggest team, so they their cost when you when you start adding up these test costs, it actually becomes fairly significant over a whole season. So, I want to know this: you have a bunch of sponsors, you have a lot of money, yeah, okay. I mean, you write up all these rules that everyone has to follow, but other than that, like, what are you doing to protect? the athletes and the teams and the health of the sport. I just want to know because I, I'm not seeing it. You know what I mean? I guess, I guess you're allowing races to happen so each team can show off their sponsors on TV. Thank you. Thanks for that. We appreciate it. But but that's all you're doing. <laughs> uh, that's a bit contentious. That's a bit contentious, but you know what? Whatever. No, it's, it's a good point. All right, well, safe travels to Oslo. Yeah, thanks, man. Anatomy, anatomy sleeps for no man, so we'll, we'll keep... Okay. Keep studying that Latin. Study hard. Keep studying that Latin. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Okay. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions, please send them to Jason at FasterSkeeter.com and Devin at FasterSkeeter.com. Please be safe out there. <laughs>